Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeonal Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus Family Podcast. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you know us, we're just a couple goalies that have taken one too many pucks at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So, how goes life, Steve? Ah, uh, it's going all right. It, um, so, Christmas was fun for the kiddos. That was, that's the main thing, <clears throat> but... Uh, everybody in my household was sick prior to Christmas and, uh, they saved the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up getting, you know, pretty wicked sick here for just, Ooh. uh, still feeling a little off today, but not so bad. But when the fat guy like me doesn't want to eat, uh, he's sick. He's sick. So anyway, um, yeah, but kids had a great time uh i'll share the uh cat in a, not the cat i always call it the cat in the hatchery it's the grinch christmas tree that my kids okay. got this year yeah it's pretty cool so that along with the other our christmas palm tree our christmas cactus tree our harry potter tree and our traditional tree uh we were pretty lit up this year so uh how was your christmas and the holiday season my friend oh uh that's been an adventure so uh basically wasn't intending to go to the USPHL 2022 Las Vegas showcase uh a week and a half ago um uh, situational things happened back in Copenhagen to where my wife is working on her thesis as she's doing her master's program in Denmark and she's not smart she, at all no no <laughs> i when she says some she says stuff sometimes i'm like what what was that? She's like, what? I'm like, that word you just used. And she's like, and then she'd explain to me. I'm like, and then I pretend like I know what she said and move on. Uh, she's way smarter than me. Um, way less pucks to the head. You can see it. Um, you know, but uh, No, she was showing me one book she needed to buy and the cost of it. And then not only the cost of the book, but the cost of shipping it into Denmark because nothing is cheap coming into Denmark. And I, I'd made a joke. I'm like, what man for what it costs to buy that book we could just fly to vegas and get the stuff out of our storage unit and that quickly turned into plane tickets four hours later um and off we were we flew into salt lake city um everything was you know i don't think we really ran into any problems until we got to uh, salt lake city and i won't name the rental car company but you will be hearing from me uh i got to salt lake city and the rental car company just didn't have my rental car they're like, oh, we're sorry, we don't have it. Oh. I'm like, okay, well, the answer to that is just give me an upgrade. Well, we don't have any cars. We have nothing. And it's before Christmas. And I'm like, well, you can see my reservation. And they're like, yes, we can see a reservation, but we don't have the car. We don't know why they booked it. And it's like, so that wasn't pleasant. Uh, as suddenly now I had to find a one-way rental car from Salt Lake City to Vegas. And I specify one way because not every rental car company is going to let you do a rental one way. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, I will say Hertz was able to help us and get us a rental car and rental car company X will be compensating us for that. We have the notes from the other rental car company because last second rental car one way that costs us a pretty penny. So rental car X can't wait to talk to you. Um, but Hertz helped us out. We were able to get into our storage unit in Salt Lake City, clear it out. Uh, well, get what we needed out of it. Um yeah. Drive down to Vegas for the showcase. I think that was Sunday night. We drove down to Vegas. Um, the showcase started on the, I want to say the 19th or the 20th was 
Monday. But yeah, yeah. So we uh, were able to go to the showcase, and it was a blast. I got to meet a lot of you players and coaches and GMs out there. We got to chat with the Dan K show and. Uh, it looks like the Dan K show and us are going to try to do a joint podcast here where half of it's dropped on our podcast. The other half's dropped on theirs. Uh, it was awesome to meet Dan and Lucas in person for the first time. Um, and yeah, I mean, just one thing, I, I mean, it was constantly talking to everyone, players, coaches, GMs, um, other staff members of like different teams. Cause we got to talk to Ezra of the, uh, Northeast generals. He gives us a lot of shout outs. Um, when we're watching Northeast Generals games in the Nall. So we got to meet him and his, as his brother as head coach of the Vernal Oilers. So got to meet the whole fam there. And then we also got to meet um, Zach McGinnis, who's the voice by voice, or not voice by voice, play by play voice. For, <laughs> voice uh, by voice. Voice by voice. You know what, Zach? You're now voice by quest. voice. <laughs> Well, he did get he did dig. Um, what was it? I don't know what game it was there at the showcase, but we were at the Lifeguard Arena in Henderson, Nevada, and it was like they they paged him during the game, paging Zach McGinnis to come to the scores box. I'm like, well, there's a first, and Zach's walking past me. It's like never happened before. I'm like, no, dude, that's cool. So they paged him to come down and help him with something. But uh, it was great meeting Zach, as he's the like I said the play by play for the New Jersey Titans there out of the Nall as well. So to get to meet him. And everyone else, it was just, it was a really, really good time at the showcase. Uh, I couldn't stay for the final day um, because I had to go back to Copenhagen for work because I agreed to work a uh, Christmas shift for a coworker. Well, we flew out of Vegas um, to New York City. And upon landing in New York City, we decided, yeah, we got three and a half hour layover. We're going to grab a bite. And we, we grabbed a bite at the restaurant right next to our gate. And all you heard was the flight to Copenhagen has been canceled. Please see in your <laughs> like, uh, we're still waiting for our food. I'm like, OK, we have nowhere to be. So we ate. We went down there. We at this point, we're tired. It's I don't know what time it is like, but it's eight, nine, ten o'clock at night there in, in New York City. And for us, it's way later. It's like two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning to our bodies. So we thought we got the proper flight yeah. um, rescheduled uh, because they said uh, you are likely not flying out the next two days either. And it's like, and it's just the 22nd. And we're like, so we're probably not getting flights out on the 23rd or 24th. She's like, no, probably not. It's like, oh, OK, so I'm missing work. Um, so I, I, you know had to send that message off to my coworker to let her know that I wasn't going to be there to cover her shift anymore. You know, circumstances got in the way. And uh, our friend in Montreal, or my wife's best friend, um, said immediately, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. You know, perception. <laughs> like for, her, for her and my wife, it was a Christmas miracle. Uh, for me, I'm like, uh, okay, um, I'm not getting home. Uh, the next day or two so she actually drove down from montreal we we took an uber um oh okay little side story here when they said this and they're like okay we'll just go grab your baggage and clear your baggage out um and we got at least the airline put, put us up in like a hotel and gave us food which isn't common nowadays so that was that was nice um yeah. but we just decided okay the bags are going to come out any second at 2 30 in the morning eastern standard time i gave up because we had now been sitting there for almost six hours trying to get our bags and our bags weren't coming out. They had one person on the flight line 
working this issue for dozens of canceled flights. So not pleasant. Um, so I gave up at 2.30. We went to the hotel. We went to sleep. Next morning we came back. We found our bags. Um, knew we weren't going to be able to fly out. So her friend's like, okay, I'm driving down there. Uh, so we took about $250 worth of Ubers to get out of the city so that she wouldn't have to drive into New York City. Um, and then we ended up somewhere near, I'm just going to say near Harrison, New York, because I know we're about to have Mario Panginini on here from the San Diego Sabres soon. And so we were, I think the first place we stopped, I thought the Starbucks we stopped at in White Plains <coughs> would have like a chair and mm-hmm. like sitting area. That's why we chose like a Starbucks we could go to and they didn't so i'm like well this is pointless so we found another uber to take us from there to somewhere that had a dunkin donuts right off the highway a gas station and a dunkin donuts and i'm like this is a perfect spot for someone driving all the way down from montreal to come pick us up and drive us back up and uh, that's what she did and it was great because it only ended up being like maybe eight hours round trip for her so four hours down four hours up instead of you know, six and a half hours into the city and then six, you know, and and we're talking, she'd be heading into New York city around 5 PM. No. So we're like, well, we got four hours to kill. We may as well just get the Uber to get us kind of out of here. So I'm not sure where we ended up with the Dunkin' Donuts, but it was about another almost hour up from white Plains. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we were able to go back to her place on the 23rd late at night. We arrived, I think, um, she put us up here in a hotel and we're in, um, we're outside Montreal, but no one knows anything outside of Lake Montreal. Like, and I tell people from Niagara Falls, Buffalo, cause nobody knows, you know, my actual hometown cause it's not a big one. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, I think we're in, oh, I really need to look up where we are because <laughs> we're somewhere in Quebec. We're, uh, we're, we're like 45 minutes outside in Montreal. We're like, uh. Southeast ish of Montreal. Um, it's going to bother me now if I can't figure it out. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's been one thing after the other, man. So on Christmas Eve, I tried to call the airline. They said, call back within 72 hours of your flight. So I, that was Christmas day. So I called him back on Christmas day and spent eight hours on hold. Got nowhere. Um, but apparently the agent, the one agent I talked about an hour and a half into this eight hour adventure on Christmas Day on hold mm-hmm. uh, was able to secure an airline for us, a, f- a flight back leaving Montreal um, on the 29th. Yeah. But they never took away the flight on the 28th. So I'm like, OK, well, let me try to get them on, on the phone again. And on the 26th, spent three and a half hours on the phone before they hung up. Um. And then just gave up on that. And then I think later on the 26th, I tried again. And on the 27th, I tried again. And they literally like three hours on hold. They pick up and we're talking. They pick up 10 minutes before I have to check out of the hotel. So I'm trying to explain the issue over them. I'm like, look, this is the issue that happened. I just want to make sure that the other flight is canceled out so that we don't not show up for that one. And then they cancel both. And she's like, well, you know, that's a new person that set this up for you. We can't. I'm like, no, 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 no. The flight's already booked. We already went on to, you know, like it was Air France they booked us through. I'm like, we've already gone on to Air France's site and picked seats and everything. She's like, well, there's a, it was clearly one of our new employees that hooked that did this flight. And if there's a price difference, you know, I'm like, well, we're not paying the price difference. You canceled our flight. Like, 
These are, <laughs> we're just trying to get home. Yeah. Well, I had to check out of the hotel because she's like, well, you're going to have to be on hold for another 45 minutes because I got to talk to this team. I'm like, I can't sit in this hotel room. I got to check out. And she's like, OK, well, then I will work this issue. And then when you're when you've arrived in Montreal from Ottawa, because we've drove back to Ottawa to see her family for Christmas. So we spent two days yeah. in Ottawa, came back to Montreal. And when we arrived at the hotel in Montreal, they wiped away the flight we wanted and kept the flight we didn't. Oh. Um, and I'm like, so I so again, another five hours on the phone with them yesterday. And we got a hold of someone like three hours in like two and a half hours in and she was like, Oh, well, you know, we can't do this. We can do this. She's like, but let me transfer you to another team and we'll get that set up. And then she transferred us to another team. Well, that's two and a half hours later. Somebody picks up the phone and they're not expecting my wife to be there and they're talking and my wife's like, hello. And she's the girl on the other end is like, hello. She's like, um, yeah, I was transferred to this number. She's like, you were transferred to this number. She's like, yeah. And she's like, Oh no. And my wife's like, what? She's like, uh, I don't. So long story short, thank you to that individual who said she couldn't have helped us, but she did. Um, so she's like, please don't put my name out there or my department because I technically can't help you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what's funny because, is that's happened to me before. And the people yeah. who you're not supposed to go to are the most helpful. Yeah. Well, that's what she said. So but she's like, oh, OK, you're, this isn't the department you need. So I'm going to transfer you to the next department. My wife said. Ma'am, I'm going to cry if you put me on hold again. I have been trying to for we did 17 plus hours on the phone over three days with the airline to try to get a flight sorted out. And we just had our flights canceled out from under us. We don't the, the flight that they're flying us back on doesn't work. It's like the, this flight, these seats, they're horrible. Like it isn't about just getting home. We have some flexibility now. I already missed work. Right. We have some flexibility and these would be the most atrocious seats on an airline we don't want to fly. Um, I'm like, no, I have flown this type of over the ocean flight before and I'm not doing that. No. Um, you know, I paid extra money. You, I always, at the, when it comes to going over the ocean, I paid the extra money to be that little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, I'm tall by big, uh, you know, my niece, I always get the person who's the first person in the plane to put their seat down, like literally on the flight from Vegas, the first person to put their seat down was like sec, like seven seconds after he sat down in the seat. And I literally had a signal to the uh, stewardess while she was walking through before we took off that his seat was still down. And she said she had to put his seat up. And I'm like, I always get that person on the plane every time. And I'm tall. I'm like, I hate it. So I need that extra leg room for a flight that long. Yeah. I can't fly in 11 and a half hours stuck in a middle seat and then try to ask permission to use the bathroom when someone's sleeping. I'm like, no, I, I need to get up. So go ahead. No, I'm just dying, man. It's a thing wow. like I like drinking on the flights. I like having a lot of water, a lot of coffee. You get some nice yeah. free beverages on these flights and and get up and stretch my legs. You know, I'm a ex goalie and uh, my other my, my my job that paid me so much good money for so many years took a toll on my body, too. So I need to be able to just get up and stretch my legs out every like hour or two. I can't sit that firm in a very tight seat. Um so I'm like, no, I work literally I work an extra job or two in Copenhagen just to have the niceties. And I like I don't. And that's a nicety for me. I'm willing to yeah. work those jobs for a month or two so I can just bump myself up to the next level seat when I need to. And that's what I do. 
um, because I just can't handle like I can handle economy for anything less than five hours, like basic economy. I don't really care. I can handle any of that. But once the flights become more than four or five hours, I need to be somewhat comfortable. Um, And everyone can relate to that. It's just not, you know, whether you're a taller person or a bigger person or you just have like um, what's that leg thing? We got the restless leg syndrome. Like you need to be able to get up and move. Um, and I, yeah, my wife likes the window so she can knock out. I've never seen someone who sleeps so well on a plane as much as she can. I can't, I love, I'm comfortable on planes. I just can't sleep. I'm just too big. Right. So, um, I just enjoy, that's the only time I'll ever watch movies. And so it's just been this non-going thing. Right. And so she was able to help us. So thank you. But there was nothing because so many people, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, I think at this point have had their flights canceled. Right. Oh man, so, it's Southwest, like, so I have a <clears throat> a technologist right now who can't get back to his assignment right now because 65, I think, percent of South White, uh, Southwest can, uh, flights were canceled. So <laughs> yeah, they, they I took a like picture. Southwest, but yeah, it, oh man, they took a picture of Vegas. Check it out, like it was on TikTok, oh. like Vegas Airport for Southwest, just jam packed. And can you imagine, like, your situation is bad enough because you're overseas, right? Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> you know having a bender in vegas over the holidays and just wanting to get home <laughs> and then you're stuck right you're just absolutely no. stinking stuck no i i, I couldn't I, you know i i could not imagine <clears throat> one bit whatsoever yeah that's the scary part about traveling for the holidays right is your flights get canceled what do you do and um <laughs> the only you know experience i've had um, you know, twice where I was actually flying Southwest is when, you know, I uh, didn't pay to sit up front, right, and pay the advanced seating. Yeah. And I had to, they made me check my carry-on, and both times I lost it, and it was my business clothes, and I was dressed in, you know, jeans and a t-shirt, and I had to go on business meetings the next days in jeans and a t-shirt because my stuff was like a day and a half late. <laughs> and the I've second time there. it happened to me, I looked I've right at there. the I looked right at the flight attendant and said, you guys lost this last time. I said, she goes, sir, you can see you're on the plane right now. It's going to go right below, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it better get there. And I know right away. I'm like, as soon as I started piping off, I'm like, they're going to lose it on purpose. Yeah, sure shit. Nothing there again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So that's why I started doing the fly in your, you know, everybody's to do that anyway, right? Fly in your work clothes. But I just feel so gross after a flight. I, I don't want to. You know, I just did not want to have to fly in my, you know, work clothes because I always feel gross and disgusting after a flight. Um, awesome one was when we flew into Ottawa because you can relate to how cold it gets there. Yep. So we were there and traveling with two little kids, everybody, if you haven't done it. <laughs> so we're doing a junior hockey podcast. So, hey, boys, get ready for this. <laughs> when you have two little ones and you have to fly with two car seats, it, it's extra fun. And then we get to the Ottawa airport and we reserved an SUV, a large SUV, and they show up with a small, like a small, like four seater car. And it it wasn't just my wife and I and two kids. It was my mother-in-law that were coming with us. And I looked and I said, I didn't reserve this. What is this? And I guess to the guy like, look, I said, you're going to hear me pretty harsh right now. It's not necessarily directed at you. (laughs) I said, but. 
I'm not happy. I'm like, I ordered this months ago because I needed an SUV. Oh, sir, there was an accident. I'm like, that person's accident's not my fault. I said, so yes. when I order something, I need it. That's you guys. You guys figure it out. So, you know, I had to wait an extra hour. Um, you know, they drove me there. My Their kids are hanging out at the airport. They had Tim Hortons, so they were okay, right? Nothing like a tin bit to keep a kid going. But then here was the fun of it. Trying to put the car seats in in negative 20 Celsius with wind chill. Okay. It was so cold that I was trying to force this car seat in because it just wouldn't fit that I would cut my fingers and it wouldn't bleed. It would just instantly congeal. <laughs> so Gosh. It I, I was there battling by myself because my wife couldn't leave the kids with the mother-in-law because the little one was just, you know, feisty. So finally there was a construction guy walking by and I'm like, dude, can you just give me a quick hand here? I'm like, this is next year to impossible. I'm like, I really had to force it, right? So picture this grown man, not not as plump back in this day, in these days, as I am now. Um, but I'm sitting there forcing the car seat down and into seat in one direction with every ounce of energy I have. And this other guy's yanking the strap over, and we finally got it in. The second seat wasn't as bad, but dear God, you know. So yeah. Um, to all the parents who had to endure this, a cancellation plus having kids on the flight. Oh my goodness. Uh, my sincerest oh, apologies. I can't imagine. Like, that's the other thing too. So we were kind of, it's not like we didn't want to find a convenient way when we knew when our flight was canceled and we were kind of trapped in New York city. Um, and they straight up said, I mean, they were pretty honest with us before they're, they're like, you're probably not getting out the next two days. We just want to prepare you for that. And it's like, okay um well if i can't get out by tomorrow like early and the, the next flight that they had for me that i could get out on i would literally land in copenhagen and have about two hours if everything go to, went well to get to the apartment change for work and go in and work a eight hour shift and i'm like no i can't i can't i'm like missing this flight basically i if I get that flight, yeah, I can try, but oh, work was going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and it just, once they said, you're probably not getting out the next two days, I'm like, okay, so our best chance of getting out here right now is maybe Christmas Day, oh. if everything goes well. Um, okay, can you just push us back an extra few days? It's like, if I'm already going to miss work, I may as well spend Christmas with her family, um, because her friend was like, seriously like i will drive there right now it is six hours to get there from montreal and it's so that was nice um and i mean things work out things don't work out and i don't know man this trip has been one thing after the other and so again with all those flights not working out finally we got help but all these flights are backed up as as i was saying they're all backed up so you just can't get seats and yeah. if you if you can, you're not going to enjoy it. Um, so we're like, no, I want to be comfortable flying back across the ocean. I could care less once I'm back in Amsterdam or Paris. You know, it's only going to be a couple hour short flight, if 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 not an hour, two hours back home to Copenhagen. Yeah. So she she gave us a one flight we started talking about. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, well, how wait a second. If we fly out of Montreal to Detroit and then Detroit to New York city and then New York city to, to where she's like Paris. And then in Paris, I'm like, okay, how, how long are these layovers? She's like, uh, well, the flight between Montreal and Detroit, you have almost an hour. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. I said, if something goes wrong on the flight to Detroit, 
where am I going to go in Detroit? Like we're here, at least in Montreal, we have connections and and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, that just seems like a bad idea. Uh, I said, plus any one of those legs in the trip, plus they had to keep hopping. Every single time you hop, you run into an issue. We, we were talking to one woman in line when we were stuck in New York City. And she's like, yeah, I flew up here from Atlanta. She's like, because I left Texas to Atlanta and my flight was canceled out of Atlanta to go back home to, I forget, Italy or something. And they're like, well, if you fly up to New York City, you can get the flight out of New York City. So they sent her up to New York City, and her flight there got canceled too. So everyone was getting canceled, and there was there's nothing. Like we said, okay, so anything out of Montreal? No. Is there anything out of New York City? Well, depending on these days, I'm like, ah, okay, well, we're in Montreal now, and Ottawa, Toronto, that's not going to help us. So if you fly out of Ottawa, you're going to land in Montreal or Toronto anyway. So... We end up now flying out of Washington, D.C. Uh, on January. Yeah, you have some connections there, though, too, don't you? Well, that's why we chose that, because what happened, it's not like we just chose D.C. We thought about it for a second because our friend that picked us up in Montreal, they want to go down. They're going to be watching the Baltimore Ravens Steelers game on Sunday night uh, on, the, on January 1st. And. They said, well, we're driving to D.C. So that kind of clicked in our heads while we were talking because they're like, hey, if you're still here. And I joked about it like uh, like days before Christmas. I'm like, oh, my, if I'm still here on New Year's Eve, the trip's gone really bad. <laughs> well, I'll be here on New Year's Eve. So we're heading down to Washington, D.C. in the next couple of days from Montreal um, because they're going to the game. So we're just popping in the car with them. And uh, we can now fly out of D.C.A., um, Back home to Copenhagen. Yeah, we have one layover, but not like four. And uh, we get the seats we want. And it's D.C. So we have friends in D.C. So once we get to D.C., we'll hang out with them for a little while. And then we're going to meet up with our D.C. friends for the, I think, January 1st-ish time frame. Um, And then we're going to head out. It's been, oh, it's been something, man. It has been something. And I know, again, not alone, so many of you out there that have traveled over the holiday season have dealt with the same thing. I know chatting with some of the players back and forth. I know there was players trapped anywhere and everywhere. There was uh, one of the goalies um, that was at the showcase as well, because uh, I think we might eventually have him on the podcast here. He was trying to get home to Montreal. I beat him to Montreal. He left. We left Vegas at the same time, and I think he was headed to Toronto Pearson. Um, and we headed to New York City. So we ended up in New York City trapped. He ended up in Toronto trapped. And our friend picked us up. So I was in Montreal, I think, a day and a half before he was. I think I made it to Ottawa by the time. I think his, his family was, I think, starting to head to Toronto to pick him up. But the weather was brutal, people. Like, I know, what is it? The difference between Toronto and Montreal is like six hours. But that drive we took from Montreal to Ottawa, which is generally only supposed to be two hours from. Oh, yeah. By the way, we are right now in. Celebrate de Bellefield? Yeah, yeah. How do I say it? <laughs> I probably slaughtered all that. I just drop half the letters when I try anything in French. <laughs> but Valleyfield. So we're like, you know, what is the Celebrate? Hey, hey Chris, you, you know what you need to do? No. Nope. Is before we do the podcast, you need to go in with every French name, go over to Jeannie, nope. <laughs> and say, hey, can you throw at this and just record her saying this and say, and here's the person's name. <laughs> You know, I could just say ETA. It's easier than trying to pronounce, what is it, Emily? Emily? Emily uh, kid, I can't pronounce his name. Telefa and Sil. Uh, he's probably going to laugh at that one, too. But you know who I'm talking about. The goalie for Rogue Valley, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's a cool kid. It was it was fun to chat with him. At the uh, him, I mean, we talked to a lot of kids there. We talked 
man, a lot. We got to talk Tarantino. Uh, we got to talk uh-huh. Jara, green bag. <laughs> Goldsmith, um, Pizarra. Oh, yeah, I man, saw the so picture many. with you. I saw the picture. I saw uh, Goldie, you know, had posted something and replied to one of your posts. Yeah, <clears throat> I saw the picture of you with Pizarra, which was cool as all hell. Um, yeah, it was cool meeting him in person. Oh, and by the way, um, one of the saves that you were reacting to, uh, I think I had the loudest reaction to it. I think that was, uh, <laughs> I think that was Tarantino's save. It was a beaut pushover. Oh like, yeah, hard push and just sniped it out of the air. Like, yeah, like, I think Bruno retweeted that one, and it's uh, it got a lot of likes and attention. But it was a great, it was a great moment to catch. I just missed the moment right before that. Um, but I literally put my phone down for one sec because I'm like, yeah, nothing's going to happen here. The, you know, the play was breaking out of the zone and it just turned around and it ended up being just this highly high point of contention play. And I'm like, the the opposing team was trying to point that it went in. I'm like, no, like we're all looking at each other. And I'm like, no, that that like it the puck got close to the line and then just sat there. Um, and Tarantino was able to snag it up. And then obviously when that happens, players should try to shove, you know, the goalie into the crease. Like, oh, just push him in. <laughs> it's like. You can't do that. But, um, no, I really wish I would have caught that one. That one was a lot of drama. Um, but I think the save that Tarantino made right after that was um, was wild. Probably one of the prettier saves you'll see this season. And so it was great to be right behind the net catching it. Um, but, yeah, I got to meet a lot of the boys. Got to meet a lot of the GMs and head coaches. And, um, yeah, it was it was a fun time. It was a, it was a blast to beat the Las Vegas Showcase. And listeners, we're definitely uh, pending what it looks like next year for the West after doing it in Vegas or wherever. I think Vegas is a pretty sweet setup, so I think my, I feel like it's going to be in Vegas again next year. Um, we're, there's going to be more than just me there. Uh, Steve's already said he wants to come. I think Ben has now stated he would like to come. Seabass um, is still a new dad, so we're not we're not going to hold our breath there. Uh, so he, he will have a one-year-old at that point, so I don't know if he will be released to. Uh, oh yeah, that's a one-year-old that's going to be tearing up the house. So <clears throat> yes, and if he's anything like Seabass, man, he's going to be mucking it on up, throwing elbows, and you know, drop yep. kicking the cat, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see Seabass at the 2027 Las Vegas Showcase, um, <laughs> <laughs> unless number two is on the way, and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll see Seabass at the 2037 Las Vegas Showcase. I'll actually see Seabass uh, this summer. I'll be uh, heading to the first time home back home to Canada in over four years. So definitely said to Seabass, we'll make it more than just one night. Like one one day we'll get his little one over with my girls and playing that way. Then we'll find a babysitter that night so we can all go out, relax, have a few bevies, you know, shoot the breeze a bit. Um, I got to send him. I got him, uh, got his little guy, a Canadian's reverse retro jersey. I, oh, believe nice. I, got, I believe I got Carey Price. Like I was debating getting another name on the back, but his wife's favorite player is Price. So I was like, that's a no brainer. <clears throat> Could have sent that down to a few other things. Um, so one thing I've been terrible about, and I can't say terrible about. So usually I'm the one that mails out gifts way ahead of Christmas just to make sure okay. everything's getting there on time. And okay. This year with uh, my older daughter and my younger daughter both got sick and that sent them aside. And then there was the crunch time with the holiday parties and soccer practice and stuff. Then my wife got sick for about six or seven days. So then I was supposed to have like last week off work. Uh, I already explained that that didn't really happen. So um, 
you know, with that, that's when I was supposed to be mailing things out. And of course, mid last week, I started getting sick and today's the first day I've been feeling better. So tomorrow I'm going to be going to the post office and mailing out a epic shit ton of parcels. Um, and I'm not making a mistake. Here's something to live by, people. So you USPS locations, if you uh, pre-make your labels like I do, do not just drop them off and walk away. I'd say 95% of my packages have gotten there, but a c- couple key ones, like uh, I got um, an Avalanche fan, f- friend of our family's, a Lekkonen t-shirt because still got deep love for the Lex. Um, and then I also had this little mini... Uh, sweater thing that I use, like, um, it was autographed by Nate McKinnon, of all people, too. Uh, I use them as Christmas tree decorations for hockey trees, so I put that in there. And unfortunately, it never got scanned in, so somehow it got lost. So somebody snagged it somewhere, or it's lost in the USPS building. So just just, just my little tip there. But back to the hockey stuff, uh, even though that's hockey-related. Um, what were your biggest highlights of the tournament game-wise, like, of that showcase? Like, what did you see that just really impressed you? Honestly, uh, just the, uh, truthfully, the amount of work that goes into putting on something like that, uh, the, the, the event staff running it, um, the, the hockey TV representatives there, because I think Zach was one of the hockey TV representatives. Um, I'm not sure of the lady's name, who's, I think, part of the Henderson Arena, um, you know, there, there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes just to put on, just to get that game on TV and just to get things rolling and and, and stat sheets everywhere. Uh, so I was really impressed by the behind the behind the uh, operation, so to speak, staff or what kind of goes on to just put everything on and coordinating broadcasters for games and the and the broadcasters prep. Um, it is definitely a much more difficult uh, job than people think it is, uh, calling a play by play, especially if you're the last second guy pulled in because they can't get the other person or they're stuck in traffic, um, or they fell ill. Um, so that was pretty, pretty awesome to see all that meeting everybody, but play wise, I mean, Tarantino save was incredible to see live. I really am unhappy that I wasn't able to see Pizarra, uh, during his game. Um, you know, he backed up the game uh, I was at. I think I think I saw two of Long Beach's games while I was at Lifeguard because I ended up just being at Lifeguard the whole time. There's City National, I think, is the other arena. That's kind of the NHL practice arena for the Golden Knights. And the one in Henderson was uh, the one for the HL um, Silver Knights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that was still cool to watch them practice as well because they're in the opposite arena. Uh, and amazing, honestly, the Vegas arenas are incredible. The Golden Knights organization has done this so well. Like me, and you are extremely impressed by um, whatever the arena is there in Vegas, right? But their junior arenas that they're building, and I think they're still building, are, I mean, I'm sure there's nicer arenas out there. I'm sure. Uh, I haven't been to them. Um, these arenas are beautiful and i didn't even get the city national and everyone at lifeguard arena including uh the head coach of the las vegas t-birds who i got to tap to for a while was like you, you need to make it over to city national man this is our arena <laughs> like that's our home arena we're not playing any games here um but i looked at the schedule and the early game started at lifeguard and i'm like okay i'd have to drive now 40 30 or 40 minutes to get to the other arena between games i'm just like eh, it just makes sense to stay at lifeguard plus i wasn't able to stay up for late uh, for the late games, because I'm still on Europe, or I was, I'm not anymore. Uh, but I, we're trying to stay on European time because we're only going to be 
in Vegas for four days, right? Yeah. So I'm like, ah, we'll just, you know, go to sleep. Because I think the first night I fell asleep at five and then the next night at six. <laughs> and I'm just like, we're on European standard time, um, Central European standard time. So, uh, yeah, I think I really wish I would have got to see Pizarro's game live. Uh, he made a beautiful save, which I've I've saved since. Uh, and everyone listening, I know it's been slow this last week with getting highlights and stuff out there, but um, I'm on December 20th games, so I'm I'm quite far behind. I think I'm on who is it? I, th- I think I was watching last one was I think Long Beach and Provo. I think so. We'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, uh, Tarantino save was probably the highlight of the ones I got to see up close. Uh, I, that's probably the best one I got on film um, yeah but just seeing a lot of the players again and and just seeing the action live there out of the west and being able to be in vegas for it and seeing the facilities which are stunning uh it, seriously if you're in the vegas area you got to get out the lifeguard or uh, city national or whatever it's called um stunning arenas because if you can go to these arenas and they have a full-blown restaurant in one of these arenas you're talking to like that perfect little sports pub that you want that has tvs everywhere and they're all showing sports and it's all the typical sports like food um they're all there looking into both arenas with windows so if you don't want to get cold you can just sit there have your drink have your food and just watch the game it's it's such an incredible setup yeah. so you got somebody walking into your house um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's my but, wife uh, coming in. Usually during podcasts, I don't have to worry about that all that often because it's yeah. we're usually doing it during the week with nobody home. So yeah. my wife's just coming back from shopping. So there you guys go. So don't try to break in my house. Uh, I can hey, see you. We're gonna go. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it was just honestly the highlight for me was just meeting the players. That was the highlight. Um, you know, it was a. Uh, it was really fun to be able to meet the players, and I can't wait for all of us, as many of us that can, go back next year. Because I think me and you are pretty well settled on the fact that it's going to work out. Ben really wants to, but he's going to try to make it work, but he doesn't know if he's going to be in San Francisco next year. So it just depends. It depends where he's at in his life at the time of the next showcase on whether or not he can make it out with us. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, it'll be cool to have at least – you and I, um, hopefully others there so that we can meet the players, talk them, meet the parents, talk them. Cause yes, parents of players. It was just a blast. I, I couldn't have been any more excited to be there and catch the action live. And just, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it'd be cool is if we could just, you know, cause I saw some of your reactions is, you know, um, cause I would definitely be doing what you did. I'd be standing behind tendies all day long. <laughs> That's where I found ETA. I knew us goalies, you want to find a goalie in arena, just look behind the other goalie. Like, that's where we stay. That's that's how we see the game, and that's how we understand the game best. Um, and you love watching the other goalies work. As a goalie, you're, you know, whether you're, you're scoping out the competition, which for goalies isn't really that big of a deal, um, you know, you just see how the other goalie does their stuff. It's it's just where we feel most at home. So for me, it's always most at home being right behind the goalie, just watching the action happen at that level. And I don't know what it is about standing off ice versus on ice. It's something psychological. When yeah. you're on ice and you're in the game and you got all your gear on, that puck coming at you is no big deal. When you're just standing behind the glass, I'm like, you don't have like a crazy reaction, but you're like, wow, 
huh, that puck's really fast. You know, because you're you're not in your gear and you know you're susceptible to just getting. That's why I think defensemen are crazy. I think I got talked to Nathan Malott, who's I think on Sebastian's fantasy team, the Canadian Cobra Chickens. Um, and uh, I think it was talking to him and, and Pizarra because uh, I think they played together last year. And I just I think I looked at Nate and I'm like, no, you guys are the crazy ones. And he was just talking about all the things he broke, just stopping pucks. And I'm like, yeah, see, us we, us goalies, we have gear on. I think Brizzy said it best. Like, we're not the crazy one. It's the defenseman that slides in front of that puck at a slap shot that has nothing protecting them. Yeah. That's crazy. Defensemen are nuts. I'm serious. Oh, I'm not at all. Like, well. I ain't that brave. I ain't that smart. <laughs> well, that's why you got to give – you know, tons of respect. So, you know, going back to your average hockey fan that just crap on players. So um, my Canadians are struggling a little bit, and that's because they've got Sean Monahan, a very calm seasoned veteran, you know, for a young rookie team out. We saw the effect of him leaving. I think it was the Calgary game. He left midway through the game, and our game slumped. And the other one was uh, David Savard. Huge shot blocker. <laughs> like, and, you know, you know, it's you know, it sometimes, Chris, like even as a goalie, when you got, you know, just say you're you, you, you know, you didn't catch the puck clean and the palm of your hands a little tender and you see a guy coming up with a clapper that, you know, can really rock at a heavy shot. Yeah. And you look at it going, oh, it's probably going to hurt. Right. <laughs> yeah. can you imagine, you know, on a defenseman like their legs, like, say, their calves or their quads yeah. right after taking a hard shot in an unpadded area <laughs> and then them going back down to block another one. Like, oh, oh, nothing but respect. So that's defensemen. So we love you for that. Just don't shove them on top of us. That's about it. <laughs> Going back to that. We'll be no, brought up every like, episode going forward, everybody. Yank them everything. backwards. Yank them backwards. It's beautiful. They will go falling on the ice. Your goalie's protected. And then all is well. And then think of it this way, too. You, if you grab the guy and you rip him backwards, right, just horse collar him. Take the two minutes. Who cares? Horse collar him, throw him backwards. Now you're in position to plow somebody else in the face with a cross check or anywhere else you want to plant that, right? You're there. Yeah. Instead of, like, standing over top of your goalie. And then, you know what I, my favorite, though, is, like, they'll knock him on top of the goalie. And then they'll keep cross checking him. Like, how dare you be on my goalie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and you're just to trying to crawl out and hopefully they don't step on you and cut you open. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're in the splits and your knees are bent backwards, and yeah, it's good times. So um, good times. Yeah, I'm glad you got to go catch that showcase. Um, uh, you know, uh, and talking about standing behind goalies, like just recently, I was at back-to-back Kyle games, and man, Vimelka was looking great. Um, you know, but it's also watching. You know, I love watching how the goals went in. You know, like yeah. Vomelka, like I always say to guys too, like when you've got a great big tall goaltender, when you've got some of the bohemians, glove hand, don't shoot for the top corner in the glove hand unless you know you got him beat. Um, because the, the hand's right there. Shoot for the elbow. Like shoot closer and tight to the body because for those bigger goalies, it seems to be a struggle at times. You know, anywhere at the elbow and the body and just down a little bit between the pad. It's 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 tougher for a big goalie that I've found for them to stop those. Um so, you know, Vimelka let one of those in. I think it was against the Islanders. It's like, ugh. People are like, weak goal. I'm like, ah, <laughs> try it. <laughs> try it. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not that easy to get, especially through a screen and a well-placed shot, you know. And, uh, you know, I got to watch uh, Samuel Montembeau 
versus the Coyotes. And I'm impressed because his game now, last year, you would see him swimming in his crease, over-pushing, losing his crease. That has dropped a lot, so his game's gotten better. So he's a lot more compact, right? Sometimes you catch him swimming a little bit, but, you know, uh, this is where I throw it out there because uh, of Tim Thomas. So if anybody remember Tim Thomas when he first entered the NHL, he could stop a puck, but my goodness, his balance was horrible. Like, that guy would trip on his own feet. I don't know how many times. Man, he was still stopping a puck. You're like, how is he doing this? Right? He gave me inspiration. Like, maybe I can come back. Um, but he took yoga and stayed in yoga. And then all of a sudden, you notice, hey, Timmy Thomas's balance is better. What happened? So, goalies out there, it's not a bad thing. Um, you know, something to work on because – Something like I'd say to Montembeau, maybe give it a shot, man, because it'll give you that extra core power type of thing and uh, to, to allow yourself to pop back up instead of be swimming on the ice. Um, still can't knock the guy, though, because he's in the NHL and I'm oh, overweight doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a requirement to do podcasts at this point. You have to have a you have to have a little bit extra, uh, you know, stomach space. So. <laughs> I'm trying to burn it off. I grabbed my skates and my gloves out of uh, out of the storage unit in Utah. And I know before people ask, why not the gear? A, to get the gear over is just going to be another stupid amount of money. And I don't think I'm quite at the, I guess the, I know my brain thinks I'm a lot younger than I am. So if I go to make a save, I'm going to tear half the muscles in my body. So at this point, I'm just going to be happy to get back on the ice and, and just try to you know, it's a great exercise. It's a lot of fun. I mean, hockey is the best. So it's such an to just have my skates and my gloves. And I know a lot of a lot of it I can get from um, the Danish Ice Hockey Union when I when I hit the ice. So um, I can acquire some stuff there, but then I can just get the rest of the stuff from the Ice Hockey Union. And I'm just ready to hit the ice again and I guess learn how to play out. I played out when I was young, but. I mean, there's no, there's nothing better than being a goalie. So I'm going to play out. Yeah. Just, you know what though? Like I, it's just bad. I remember when I was younger and it was usually during tryouts that I would want to play out a bit. I was actually a pretty good defenseman and it's because I blocked the heck out of shots. Um, when back when we, you know, you know, back when, well, what age did you start playing Chris? Like what, what age did you hit the ice? Uh, well, I grew up playing hockey, street hockey, but we didn't have money in my family we, growing up, you know, uh, one, one father raising four kids. So, uh, I didn't, until I left the house at 18 and was able to buy my own equipment was when I was able to hit the ice. Okay. So I really didn't hit the ice until I was 18, but I was, a, and I know people say it's different, but I'm sorry, it's not that different rollerblading. I grew up rollerblading hockey. I was a natural on blades. And the second I hit, the, I went ice skating a few times when I was like younger, because my buddies were ice, you know, everywhere. we had an ice rink at, in that portion of Buffalo. We were always ice rinks everywhere. So we hit the ice and I'd never ice skated before. And I was in my teens. And the second I hit the ice, I'm like, oh, this is like rollerblading. Yeah. And I was just, I never fell. I was just complete natural. I, I knew how to skate backwards. It's my first time out on it. I mean, I just knew how to do everything on the ice because I could do it on rollerblades. It's a little bit of difference, but not a lot. Um, so when I hit the ice, when I hit eight, you know, I got 18, was able to buy my own equipment. Um, I was fine. I was, maybe I was 18 or 19. Maybe it was 19 when I got my own equipment. I don't think I could quite afford it at 18. So I really didn't start playing hockey, hockey, uh, until I was 19, but I had the skill set. It just, I just had to transfer to the ice. It took a few months, especially as a goalie 
to transfer to oh ice feels a lot better because first of all yeah ice is a lot easier to play goalie on than roller um because you can slide there's it just takes transition to time but i was young and i had transition time and yeah i loved playing ice hockey and i don't i haven't i don't think i played roller hockey since i think i grew up playing street and roller hockey and then like i said when i was able to get my own equipment hit the ice so that's short story of me yeah um and the whole reason i asked that holy cow um <laughs> because when you're when you're you know if, if if people back in canada i'm sure it's the same way here in the u.s when you're trying to figure out they call it timbits hockey i still think in canada and it was just the one age up so holy cow i think it was novice minor novice major whatever so i think a novice minor or maybe just below that it could have been below one age group but regardless one of the lower age groups they're just trying to figure out who wants to play goal uh, you know, and they'll rotate people in and out and it was my turn to go in and I loved it. <clears throat> I did a great job. Uh, and you know, the coaches like, does he want to stay playing? And my dad's like, Oh, please God, no, please God. No. And I'm like, Oh yeah, uh, I want to be a goalie. <clears throat> so they would, you know, still rotate kids out. So I think I was playing every second or third game by the end of the year. I was pretty much just splitting it with one other goalie. I decided he wanted to play, but I'd go in on defense and I would drive my goalie nuts because in defense I would essentially go out when they would try to take a stop and I was just stopping it just like a goalie. Like I was down. I think I even did the two pad stack. So two shin guard stack to stop one, you know, I just wouldn't use my hands. So it just would really piss my goalie off because he actually wanted to get the puck. Um, the only thing for me was skating. My skating wasn't <laughs> where it needed to be. Uh, oddly enough, um, I was awesome. I was a lot better backwards than I was forwards. Um, but you know, they don't really develop goalie skating that much, you know, at that, you know, back then they didn't. So <clears throat> they were just more worried about how I could handle myself in the crease, but it was just kind of funny. The older I got, when we would have to skate backwards, I would be blowing away the rest of my team. It was hilarious. But anyway, that was the fun part of playing back in the day. I, I enjoyed getting out on occasion and playing defense and just shutting them on down. So, um, Yeah. I kind of missed the days. Like I said, I would love it if my knees and my hips weren't so shot because, man, I just love to try on this new equipment. Because um, back when I was playing, I think we said this in a previous podcast, it looked like the old ba- it looked like the old baseball. I'll just actually look up, um, you know, goaltending equipment in the early 80s. It still wasn't much to it at all. It still had the old brown pads, the old stuffing that gained weight. Um, you know, I think I've said this before, but I'll repeat it again. The first time I did the splits was just because my pads got so heavy in the third period that I went to go push off, lost a little bit of control, and then that was it. Down I went. Um, yeah, that's all I'll comment on that one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just I would love to throw on this new gear just to feel how light it is. You know, the only thing, though, I will tell you is when equipment started to switch, I used to love the heavy goalie sticks. It's the only thing I would go back to just because when you threw a poke check, like you could you would hit their stick, their skate and they would go flying, you know, and when you hit them on the back of the legs trying to clear your crease, oh, they really felt it with the heavy sticks. So I wish they'd go back to heavy wood goalie sticks because that just trust me, everybody for poke checks and everything else. Man, it was a beaut. Probably not for shooting. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but man, like throwing a good old poke check. Oh man, it was. I remember doing that and it being a lot of fun. So I still have them. You still have the wooden I, ones? Yeah. Like my practice stick that I don't do use during games. Um, it's actually turned the wrong way too because I actually switched my playing. St- that was hard. Um, but I switched my um, 
playing style back when I was living in Canada and Ottawa in, I don't know, early, early mid 2000s there, right? Around 05, 06 or whatever. Cause when I would go to, Oh, I can't remember the goalie store in Ottawa. It was like Lacroix or something, but they had all the goalie gear. And, um, I would go there and for, I think I was a right glove at that point. Um, and because I just that's where I I would catch. So I was I was like, you know, right glove goalie. And all that equipment was at that time far more expensive because it wasn't as common as the left glove. And I just I was talking to the store. I'm like, I don't understand why all this equipment is more expensive. He's like, they just don't make as much of it. So, you know, I'm like, oh, because I was switching out the gear I had. And I'm like, well, screw it. I'm just going to switch sides. Um Actually, it didn't take as much as I thought it would. I I don't know why, but I was able to actually switch sides with a few, with a few practice sessions and got better and better and better with it with the left glove, um, just because it was so much cheaper. So it's possible, but I still have the stick from before then. So the stick's twenty something years old, but it's a old Reebok um, mm-hmm. turned the wrong way. So when I'm on the every single time I played since, especially just when I'm practicing with a new team, they're like. Hey, your stick. I'm like, I know it's a practice stick. I don't care because eventually I keep thinking eventually it's going to break, but the thing hasn't broken in 20 years, something. So it's still going, man. And it's my practice stick. I don't use it during games, but yeah, it's uh, the, the old wooden sticks, man. They just didn't break as easily. They're just, they're rough. They're tough. And well, no, I remember trying to smash one over top of the, you know, over the post when I <laughs> really hated your arm um, before that stick does. Oh yeah, exactly. No, it broke my ego. Like I was shattered after that. <laughs> Could not get that stick to break. Man, I was pissed off. And I'm like, now you just look like an idiot, right? Like through temper tantrum, <laughs> stick do. never broke. So you're sitting there looking like an a-hole. And I'm like, God, oh, this is just awesome. Like this just adds to my day, right? So, um, good times, good times. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this might be a great place to wrap up this podcast. Um, you know, I guess we'll call it the planes junior hockey and automobiles <laughs> planes train one planes trains and delayed flights <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was no trains on mine because they were all booked up uh i couldn't get a train anywhere into montreal and i don't think anywhere since so oh uh, actually planes games and automobiles my friend there you go oh that would be good okay planes games and automobiles i like now it. i gotta go to now i gotta go on to photoshop and put a picture of you and jenny on there um you'll be the plump one <laughs> clearly so <laughs> oh, i couldn't goodness. imagine your wife destroying me if i had made a picture <laughs> if i shot photoshopped her face on john but however it would be really a, a great canadian thing because john candy is such such a canadian legend so that would be the yeah. only reason i would do that is just because of that but yeah i still would think she wouldn't want to smash me in the face going like okay you put me on the big dude <laughs> yeah ne- next time next time you met you you just need to wear your mask <laughs> that's the best thing you can do why are you wearing your goalie mask steve you're <laughs> about to kick my ass <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, yeah, it would be a great place to wrap this thing up. Um, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. So be sure to reach out. Oh, I'm going to cut this part out here while I find my script. Yeah. So we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're in the junior collegiate hockey world and wish to get on a future podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter, PHH Official, 
or on Instagram at PHH Podcast or on TikTok at Pigeonhole Hockey Podcast to let us know what you think. This was the Pigeonhole Hockey Podcast with Chris and Steve. Have a great one, hockey fans. And remember, listeners, always clear crease.